Hi, Bloomers. It's Wendy, and you're listening to Bloom with Flores. In today's episode, we have the privilege of sitting down with an expatriate. Our guest story is one of resilience, adaptation, and entrepreneurial tenacity. Join us as we uncover the motivations behind their decisions to uproot their family and venture into a new land, the challenges encountered during the process, and the triumphs that have led to the flourishing real estate enterprise we're about to unravel. Hi, Bobby. I want to thank you for agreeing to join me on my podcast today. It's great to have you here, and I deeply appreciate you taking the time of your busy schedule. I've known you since high school, and I can attest to how ambitious you were then and can see how far that has translated into your inspiring journey of growth and success for you now. Without further ado, please introduce yourself to our listeners. Hello, Wendy. Thank you for having me. I'm Robert McEachran, and I am live from the beautiful Dominican Republic. Amazing. I'm jealous. <laughs> so let's go back to the beginning on how you and your wife came to the decision of moving to the Dominican Republic. Wow. Okay. Um, I'll try and give you the fast forward version. In okay. 2015, um, I had a retail uh, location in the furniture, appliance, and the electronics industry. And I was actually bought out by one of my managing partners. Therefore, um, in between that time period, I had this younger gentleman who used to go to the University of Waterloo, he used to pitch me on investing in student rental properties. So when my manager, one of the managing partners, you know, uh, bought us out, um, what I had did is reinvested into the Kitchener Waterloo into um, student rentals. And in the meantime, decided to spend an entire year in the Dominican Republic. We had already been spending like a uh, uh, extended period of time there, like through the winter, we usually go for a month and break it up. So we had a little sense of community and we had a passion for the outdoors. And we did a test run in 2015 to 2016, and we absolutely fell in love with it. And by the time that that year was over, um, the business was already up and running in Kitchener-Waterloo. We had a house being built and it was time to go back to Canada. That being said, the goal was always to move back and return. And in 2020 of January, um, we transitioned back full-time and actually uh, made our first real estate investment in the Dominican Republic. Fast forward to today, um, you know, nearly four years down the road, um, we have no more real estate investments in Canada. Everything has transitioned here to the Dominican Republic and Realtor DR, which is our real estate company down here, um, has been doing extremely well in providing service for a lot of variety of different people for all sorts of different reasons. Okay. Can you share some of the challenges you faced during the relocation process, if there was any? Um, yeah, for sure. There's uh, a lot of people only talk about all the, the positives, but like anything, um, everything is not for everyone. That being said, when you're moving into a country like the Dominican Republic, there's always an adjustment period. That could be either like, for example, simple things like driving, right? Driving is a little bit more challenging here. Um, there's not as much law and order on the road as much as it is a little bit of organized chaos. So you have to learn how to take that with a grain of salt, not get frustrated. Um, little things like 
um, adapting sometimes to the language. That's something that I've been studying since we've moved back down here full time. And for me, that's important that when coming to a different country to try my best to adapt into the culture, language being one of them. So although we're in a tourist uh, area where you can get by with English, I think at times though, um, speaking Spanish will definitely help you transition easier. Um, when it comes to real estate, for example, um, they have different terminology. Although they're, it's a very similar process, making sure that you're working with the right reputable people is absolutely vital to having a positive experience. Um, the weather too, uh, you know, instead of like a snow jacket and, and a tube, for example, maybe you have to make sure that you're putting on a little bit more sunscreen, protect yourself from the skin. As we get older, we want to look younger. So I think that's important just to have the proactive approach. Um, and yeah, I think those are just some of them, but I'm sure there's a lot more that we could add to that list. So you spoke on the language barrier um, and you're saying that you're studying. So are you currently, do you think you're fluent in Spanish or? <laughs> well, the the thing that I'm proud about the most is being a father. So I'm going to take some accolades for my children. My children are fluent now. And that's a life skill. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm fluent. I say that I can understand most of it. Um, Dominicans speak a little bit different Spanish, um, that it's a lot of slang and they can speak really fast when they're in their comfortable environment. Therefore, for me, it's still an ongoing learning process, but I'm gonna get there. I'm, I'm getting there slowly and slowly and I have to um, learn to be a little bit more uncomfortable and just start speaking so yeah it's, uh, so it's on the list i'm getting there oh amazing <laughs> you yeah. have to i think right it's yeah. it's part of living <laughs> yes. yeah but um so you said that your ch your children have kind of adapted nicely to the country um what did you do to prepare them for this move i guess it was um just the, they've, they've always been super active. So like even in Canada, like we had their, their schooling. So they have their friends from school and then they have their activities. Like my son was in soccer, he was in skating, he was in hockey. My daughter was in gymnastics, she was in swimming. So you are constantly integrating them into different social environments, which I think really helped us transition here. Plus the fact that we've been coming to this part of the island for more than 12 years, we already had a group of friends. Um, we had the test run in, in 2015 and 16. My son, my son went to school here. Rosalie was still a little bit younger, so she wasn't actually in school. So by the time we came back, they already had friends. They already had activities lined up to do. They already were competent and you know, different activities that maybe if somebody just came in without having that background, Maybe the transition would have took a little bit longer for the comfort level, but for our kids, they transition extremely well and they consider this home. This is, this is their home. What are some of the differences you think between the Dominican and Canada that you find hard to adapt to, if any? Adapt to? Well, there's a lot of differences um, between them. Mm -hmm. um, as far as adapting, everyone is going to be a little bit different i think as a family like we said we kind of you know put our foot in the water in the water got accustomed to the water and then kind of jump in um but generally speaking like some of the differences that you know people notice right away is like cost of living for example is going to be a big one over here like i've been 
back and forth to Canada maybe four or five times this year and just like simple things like eating out has become a lot more expensive. Um, the ready, readily available quality of food, mm -hmm. because we have like an internal summer here, we have three growing seasons. Therefore, you know, the amount of, of food that they produce here is actually more than we export. You know, when we talk about like simple things like avocados, mangoes, plantains, bananas, like a lot of, you know, a variety of fruits and vegetables that are really healthy for you are much more expensive here. And you can buy them on the side of the road where they're basically coming farm to table. Um, so I think cost of living, um, quality of life, you know, um, I was recently in Toronto just a couple of weeks ago and Toronto's in winter right now and everything was gray was dark it was cold like here because we're right on the equator like sunset and the sun rises within an hour for the entire year so you kind of get used to that you always have green around you um, you have a beautiful ocean from sandy beaches to rivers to so on so the quality of life over here too if you want to be active is, is much greater like in my eyes that to be said like you can still have a great quality of life in, in Canada I think it's just a little bit easier here if you do have some uh, financial security or a financial uh, background, like if you're taking some of your wealth in Canada and putting it over here, absolutely. The quality of life can be greater. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so where exactly did you decide to establish your roots? Was it through research or connections through friends that told you here it's best to invest? Um, I know you said that you were there for about a year. Um, did that help? It, it helps, uh, absolutely, because if the year wasn't a beautiful year for us as a family, um, then, you know, who knows where the next turn would have taken us. That being said, um, originally, I wanted to learn how to surf. I always looked at these surfing videos. I was working my butt off and kind of, you know, being self-employed and working extremely long hours. Um, you know, I was the, the type of person because I had to, because my work demanded it, that I would leave. Uh, for work and then I would come home and the kids were still sleeping I didn't get the quality time that I was looking so I looked at a place that where I could learn to surf uh, and the weather was nice and that my children could fall in love with their heritage and we found the north coast ideally um, the city that we spend most of our time is, is Cabarete but we're right on the border of Cabarete and Sosua so the airport that's close to here is the Porta Plata airport okay is there a large community of Canadians living there? There is absolutely a large community of Canadians uh, that do live here. Absolutely. Um, the expat community uh, over here is, is large. Um, you meet people from all different places all over the world. Um, we actually have a street hockey team here. And I think within our group of guys that come out to play street hockey on Wednesdays and Saturdays, we probably have like 10 different countries represented um, oh, wow. between, between a group of people that just, for whatever reason in their life, pick this little island in the Caribbean to, to relocate to. So it's, uh, it's interesting. Yeah. So were you ever concerned about the safety of your family at all in the DR, Bobby? Yeah, that's probably one of the most common questions I, I receive from my family and friends is just about like safety and security. And um, as I kind of revisit the last 12 years of like going back and forth here to this particular part of the island, I've never had a situation where I didn't feel safe, not once. Um, 
you know, I think like attracts like. I also think that trouble attracts trouble. Mm -hmm. Therefore, if people are coming with the wrong intentions or for the wrong reasons, um, or they lose the, you know, sometimes people come here and they like to party a little bit too hard and then maybe forget to respect the people that are here. For sure, there's always, you know, a fine line or a delicate balance in a situation like that. Um, personally, I've never been in a situation like that. Um, that being said, it's, you know, it's for sure. You know, we're still dealing with a country that has a significant amount of people that um, are making, you know, uh, a lot less. Therefore, you have to be conscious of your environment. But um, for our family, we do live in a gated community um, so that, you know, you do have great, great security there. Um, we spend a lot of our time surfing and on the beach and pretty much we know all the regulars that are there. Um, our company's done a lot of work in the community um, at a grassroots level. So we definitely have a good reputation in there. And I've driven almost back and forth through this entire island. And I've never had a run-in where people said, like, the police ask for money. It's never, it's never happened. So, you know, I guess kind of the media or from the outside looking in is always going to, like, you know, highlight the one bad situation that happens. But I think overall, you're definitely talking about one of the, the safer Latin American countries, um, if, if that's a concern. But definitely, I think the Dominican Republic is very safe. So you mentioned your real estate um, business, Bobby. Can you explain to the listeners what that process looked like when you uh, when you started up your business in a different country? Yeah, so um, as a shareholder, you can start a corporation here as the, as the same rights as uh, somebody who was born in the country. And once you have your corporation as a shareholder, Legally, you can now start earning money um, in the country. So starting the corporation process is fairly, um, you know, cost effective. I think for a couple thousand dollars, you can have all your trade name and all the legal process authenticated. Probably takes just a couple months. And then probably maybe a month after that, you can start opening your business bank accounts. So it's a very straightforward, simple process from, from that standpoint. And then operating a, a business, I kind of look at like our local market here as like Toronto in 1950s. Before we entered into the real estate field, we kind of did like a SWOT analysis and we took a look at our competition and we tried to figure out where we could provide value. And with basic business principles like returning emails, messages, calls, you know, abiding by your hours of operations, you know, being committed to self-development and learning the skills. We really wanted to implement our company and our team as professionals and not just amateurs, like people who just took it as like, you know, as, as something that they do part-time or as a hobby. In a short period of time, we're really able to build a brand and build a reputation and, you know, help a lot of families and a lot of investors make some really good decisions. That being said, I think we had good timing when we moved down here in January in 2020. No one knew that in March. Um, just a couple months down the road that COVID was going to kind of take the world by storm. And um, I think with COVID, there was a percentage of, you know, Canadians and Americans and people from all over the world that were looking for something different, right? Yeah. Um, they weren't really comfortable with some of um, the things that were happening in their, in their home country. And uh, maybe by chance, maybe by luck, um, who knows, uh, they discovered here. And I think that really helped catapult their business because we had a lot in common with, with those people. 
Yeah. So did the pandemic affect you guys in, in the Dominican? It was global, right? So I'm assuming so, but in terms of your business, uh, was there a slowdown or do you think that it picked up even more? Um, there was times for sure, just because of the certain restrictions that made things a little, little bit challenging. Um, but I think overall, it opened up a lot of people's eyes to what type of lifestyle they're looking for. And I think Dominican did a fantastic job in transitioning really well. I think they were very um, conservative with some of their um, restrictions. And they were very consistent in how they communicated it, how they rolled it out. They didn't really go back and forth. So they kind of went a little bit strong in the beginning, figure things out, and then slowly started to ease up on it for the people, which was great. Also, I think here, I think there's something to be said about proactive health. It's little things like sunshine. Um, people aren't really inundated for the most part of the population here with like, you know, starting their day with watching the news and reading the newspaper that maybe like as a North American person, we are. Therefore, I think that they're doing a lot of things naturally that are really healthy for, for themselves. And, uh, and that being said, not watching or maybe being inundated with all the news. I think that the people overall here were, were, were happy when those restrictions were taken off and, for a lot of people that were maybe coming here for the first time because of COVID or coming here after, I felt that this was a, a good transition place for them. What kinds of uh, business growth opportunities are you currently seeing in the Dominican outside of real estate? Because I know real estate right now is very hot in the Dominican, right? Yeah, I think in the Dominican Republic and in Latin America in general, there's a there's a lot of opportunity and that's just the transferring of wealth, right? What I mean by that is if, if you've been lucky enough to be in our age group and um, be in real estate uh, relatively, you know, in the last decade or, or more than the past decade, you've acquired some wealth um, through, through owning that property. That being said, if we were to sell our home in Canada, for example, what would happen is that we sell high, we have to buy high. So we're not really, we're just moving lateral. But a lot of people actually looked at it and said, hey, if I, for example, sell here in Canada now, I can transfer that wealth over to Latin America, Dominican Republic, say, for example, I can buy my main residence, live mortgage free, and then I can buy a rental property and start generating short term revenue so that I can support my lifestyle. So we had a lot of a, a lot of people who did that. I think if you're an entrepreneur and you believe in providing service, I think there's a lot of different areas here that you can improve the service industry. Um, but I think it would start from having an entrepreneur mindset. But that being said, Wendy, like one thing that we, we all understand now is that the world is smaller. And what I mean by that is the fact that more and more people can work remotely. I just had my sister spend the last 30 days here because her work allowed her to work remotely. So she was able to come and stay in one of our properties that we have and be able to work and then spend time with us. And I think there's a larger population now, especially transitioning after COVID that have that same capability. And I think there's a big portion of our population um, that maybe instead where they're looking at somewhere like Florida, um, maybe now they're starting to look a little bit in the Dominican Republic. I've been to Florida a couple of times in the last year and Florida's, Florida's expensive. Right. Yeah. And Florida has a, it has, it's like almost, it's like 35 million people, right? It's almost the same size as the entire Canada. So it's busy. 
I think some of those snowboards are starting to look at like, you know, an island paradise. You know, when we take a look at like, for example, the safety that we talked about, or we take a look at the cost of living, or we take a look at that, even if they wanted to buy like a vacation home and then they can generate money when they're not here on the property. I think a lot of people are starting to really open their eyes and take a deeper look into why the Dominican Republic has been doing really well. So for those that are curious, Bobby, what does the education system look like in the Dominican for their kids? We have an excellent um, five-part series by one of our top sales agents, Josie Sells DR. Um, that's a, a great resource where she goes and interviews the different directors. Um, the short videos are about 20 minutes for if anybody wanted to learn more. But that being said, I would say the countries, like the, the school system for the Dominican Republic is very poor. Um, unfortunately, um, there's a lot of room for improvement there. Um, myself, my children are very lucky. They go to an international school. It's called the International School of Sua. Uh, class sizes are maximum 16 students. It's nationally accredited. So when they're done their school, they all their grades can count for anywhere in the world. Um, their main teacher has a teacher assistant. We have a music teacher, a gym teacher, a socialist teacher, a Spanish teacher. Um, so they have all the, this variety of help. And fortunately, we've been able uh, and lucky enough to provide that for our children because I do have some friends back home that are in the education sector um, and they're amazing people. But I also hear their frustration as far as like how the Canadian school system is and the class sizes are large and they're dealing with children that have that are all different learning stages uh, and it's very hard to work with the individual student because they have to teach to the masses the smaller school over here our children's for example if somebody's behind they can specialize and put in the extra time to help them take the next step um, and if they're advanced they can teach up to the advanced students and help challenge them more so that they can become even stronger uh, in that field over there and a testimonial to, to the school they go, and every graduating class usually has over 50% of the students receive some sort of, um, you know, um, the, what do you call it, a diploma, not a diploma, sorry, when they get the, the money sent to them, they get the, a certain amount of their tuition accredited to them, after, mm -hmm. a scholarship. Okay. Okay, good. That's amazing. So, um, how do you maintain connections with uh, friends and family over here? You spend a lot of time in the Dominican, obviously, with your business. Um, I'm sure you travel a lot too, but what does that look like for you? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. I think one of my mentors was explaining to me, if you, if you take like a stopwatch and let's say with, with one of your friends and you calculate like the time that you guys are actually spending right beside each other over the course of the year and you come up with that number, um, and then you compare it to if you live remotely and then one of your friends maybe comes to visit you twice a year, you probably be spending more time when they come to visit you twice a year. Um, so in, in that content, it's kind of exciting because every single week we always have like new people coming down um, that we know that are coming down to visit and they bring this type of excitement because it's a vacation for them and they bring it down here and we kind of know our way around and we know the places to eat, the things to do, the people to hang out with. And every time they come back, they have these like awesome connections and relationships that just builds upon making memories. So that's one of the best ways that we that we're able to spend quality time is just by having people actually physically visit us and be immersed 
in a completely different environment, uh, free from, or hopefully free from a lot of the everyday distractions that they would have back home. But other than that, you know, it, you know, a simple like or comment, um, you know, voice memo, pick up the phone and call. I'm still a ver very verbal person. So I, I like to pick up the phone and call. I know with some of the younger generation now, they're probably just more texters. I still like to hear the emotion in people's voices and stuff like that. Um, so if something's important enough, I think you always find time for it, regardless of where you are in the world. Yeah. So what does a typical day for you look like? Okay, interesting. All right. Um, so for example, uh, I'll just go through yesterday because it's fresh on my memory. Uh, woke up in the morning. Uh, we went surfing with the kids and my sister. So we got to the beach around 7.30 in Cointreau. Uh, that's the name of the beach, the major surf beach. Um, the waves were good. So me and the kids surfed for about two and a half, three hours. Super glossy with a little bit of overcast, so a little bit of a light rain. Um, my sister surfed more in the white water. So she had a, she, she had a blast. She absolutely fell in love with it. Um, from there, I dropped by the office. Um, I had a couple quick meetings that we had to hammer out. One was actually with a gentleman by the name of Bill Graham, which is uh, part of the Graham family that put the railroad in all of Canada, across Canada, because the Graham family actually put the railroad in here in the Dominican Republic uh, for the sugarcane trade. So we had a nice little meeting with him talking about steam engines and a whole bunch of variety of different things. Got those meetings out of the way. Um, from there, I drove to Puerto Plata, um, which was about an hour. I had one of my older employees who used to work with me down here with her mom, her daughter, and her son visiting. So I went and picked them up, brought them back down here. We went out to dinner with my sister, uh, my partner, my kids, her kids. Uh, we went to a lovely restaurant on the beach, had great seafood. And then came back to my house for, for a drink. And yeah, that was kind of like a, a recap of like kind of a typical day. Wow. Right. Like sometimes more or less. Yeah. In there. But yeah, that was that was my day yesterday. What advice do you have for families considering a move to a foreign country? Um, number one, you have to do a test run. Okay, like everything can look great on social media and great on the video or people's pictures. Um, but what I would encourage you to do is maybe start with a week, maybe extend the week into a month if you like it, and really see if you could see yourself spending an extended period of time. If you're looking for relocation purposes too, like that's really, really important. I think slow is fast, so don't rush into it. And then, you know, if you make the wrong decision, especially if you have children, you know, you, you don't want to be going back and forth. You really want to make sure you make the right decision. Um, so for relocation, I would definitely say slow is fast, spend some quality time there, get immersed into um, the community and make sure that you're passionate about spending uh, an extended period of time there. I wish we could talk for hours, Bobby, because I have so many questions. <laughs> but in closing, can you please provide a website or an email on where people can reach you should they be interested in investing in real estate in the Dominican? Absolutely. We are super consistent with all our different platforms and we definitely are committed to highlighting our community here. I think that's really important. So our website is www, maybe I put too many W's there, realtordr.com. 
Um, we have our Instagram, which is realtor.dot.com. Um, we have YouTube. Um, just put in realtordr.com. Uh, we have a monetized channel with like maybe six or seven hundred videos on there. We have Facebook. We have TikTok. Um, absolutely, I'll send that over to you. Maybe you can put it in the link or the description over there. And my personal email is super simple. It's just robert at realtordr.com. If you have any questions or you wanted to learn more or you wanted to connect, uh, feel free. Shoot me over an email. I'll get you my WhatsApp number and we can have a chat. And uh, definitely, if there's any questions, I'll do my best to help, help answer them. Okay. And since you said you mentioned that um, you know where to go in the Dominican, can you give mm -hmm. a shout out to one of your favorite restaurants there? Yeah, absolutely. Gordito's, the king of the fish tacos. Uh, every day the fish is fresh. It's the Maui Maui fish. And I don't know what they do to make it taste so good. But I'm telling you that this is the best worldwide fish taco ever. So the moment you get off the plane, you need to take your taxi or take your car straight to the Gorditos and get a meal to, to feel content. That's going to be a perfect way to start your vacation. here. And this is in uh, Punta Cana? No, this is in Cabarete. Everyone knows Punta Cana. We need to big up the North Coast. It's a, <laughs> it's a lot of fun. It's definitely, um, how would I put it? It's like a cottage country. So if you like like the Muskokas and those areas, I, I would consider like the North Coast a little bit more like the cottage where Punta Cana is like the city. Okay, Bobby, it's been so much fun. Thank you so much for uh, joining me. And um, do you have any closing remarks for anybody? No, it's just um, nice to reconnect with you, Wendy. You look exactly the same that you did in high school. And I love what you're doing. I really enjoy the content that you're putting out there. And I'm looking forward to, to seeing you continue doing what you're doing. And thank you for having me. Thank you. Well, there you have it, Bloomers. As we conclude this episode, I want to express our sincere gratitude to Bobby for generously sharing his insights and experiences about his remarkable move to the Dominican Republic. His willingness to open up and provide valuable information has been enlightening for all of us. We appreciate Bobby's expertise and the wealth of knowledge he brought to this conversation. We'd love to hear your stories. Feel free to share your personal journeys in the comments or via our social media channel. Your stories inspire us and help us grow together as a community of bloomers. Stay tuned for more content and until next time, keep blooming.